Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. It's a magical season. That's a lot more positive than I'm used from you see from Glenn starting off. Let's hope it carries through the rest of the episode. Not also, joining, also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. Greetings, and I'm just enjoying how brisk it is. Uh, we're buried under snow. How Don't much snow would you say it is, Matt? Pardon me? How much snow would you say we have? A very politically correct amount of snow. Okay. We were making no horrible old-timey jokes we heard from our grandfathers before we started recording, and that's the important thing. <laughs> that's the very important thing. Joining us from a land bereft of snow, because it's a place for people to live, all the way from Oakland, <laughs> Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. What's up, Lee? Hey, fellas. How's it going? Greetings. Yeah. Let's do it. Well, Let's get down to it. <laughs> Glenn's very excited. He mentions that it is a magical season. Of course, we're rolling into the holidays. Where this will come out the day before Thanksgiving, and uh, we we all enjoy the holidays. Love the holidays. And on that basis, I declare an emergency. <laughs> is it a holiday magical emergency? You know it is. Is Ooh. it a screaming guy from the B fifty twos emergency? Uh, <laughs> Apparently, and also, shack is a little old place. (laughs) Uh, it's a it's a funky little shack where we can get together. That's right, you know, tin roof. (laughs) Google it, kids. Uh, just nobody gets what we're nope, talking about. Nope, we've we've left the audience behind in record time. It was a rock <laughs> lobster. This is literally the one I was about to go to, wow. and I think we're all out of B fifty twos references. <laughs> oh, I'm not, but you know, let's carry on anyway. Uh, here's what we're talking about. It's a magical time of year, okay? Because yep. every year uh, on the third Thursday or fourth Thursday, oh, yeah. whatever the last one, whatever yeah. it is. We celebrate my favorite holiday of the entire year. And what is that holiday called, Glenn? Gripesgiving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the best. If you're a new listener, as in you weren't listening last uh, November, you may be new to Gripesgiving. So, Glenn, why don't you explain both the theory behind it and the genesis of it to the people? Well, uh, w- people right now are probably imagining that we're joking we're about joking. Gripesgiving. You'd we, think they'd know better by now. We are not. This is a an annual staff uh, 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 event that we have, and it involves coming together yes. in a spirit of unity, harmony, yes. fellowship, yes. and togetherness. Yes. And we look at back on all the things that happened yes. through the year. Yes. And we all go around yes. and we each gripe horribly <laughs> yep. about all that crap that's driving us nuts. Yes. Bonded by the griping. That's really the key. It's it's venting. Yeah. It's griping. Yes. It's ranting. Yes. And then afterwards you're like, that feels so good. I feel I feel much <laughs> better now. And like that's been lifted. That's the magic of Gripesgiving. Yes, yes. And this is a, a holiday of your own invention. Yeah. Well, we, you know, we, we, you know, Jed and I, 
began talking about, wouldn't it be great if there was a gripe? If there was a gripe giving, well, isn't and, it kind of a foregone conclusion? With you? like, isn't that kind of a normal? Yeah, just this is the way it normally goes. Let's just go ahead and call it a holiday. Well, yeah. in the same way that you might sit around with your family and share a meal, meal normally, right? But then for Thanksgiving, you really kick it up a notch, right? Sure, there's there's yeah. griping the rest of the year, right? That's right. But we sit down at the holidays and really do it right. Well, we we formalized it. So the very first sure. gripes giving, we had right. the bowl of wrath. And tell them about the bowl of wrath. So we each wrote down things we were angry about right. <laughs> on, on little pieces of paper. Right. And, True. And put them into a bowl. Right. And then mix them. And then you draw a piece of paper, and that person would share their fury and rage right. about that subject. Fantastic. It's the bowl of wrath. It's sure. Just, it's what all parties should be. You know, every day can be gripesgiving. If you keep it in your heart. If you keep it in your heart, Matt. <laughs> They and say of Glenn, he knew how to keep gripes giving well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and here's what one of the best parts about gripes giving no. is the wives hate it. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just barely tolerate every year how excited we get about gripes giving. Yeah. Well, this is the thing for us is, you know, and, and I'm certain this is true for Lee as well. You know, working with people that are going through rough times and whatnot our both our workload but also the difficulties for the people that we're working with skyrocket yeah. during the holidays yeah. because uh, it's just an eight week reminder of the happy family you don't have right exactly the presence you can't afford yes right the fact that you're in jail right yeah so uh, we basically hold our breath basically november and december yes. around january 2nd uh. It's like a magical weight has yes. been lifted. Yeah. Yes. That's my favorite day of the year, actually, is January 2nd. Yes. So Gripes Giving... just over. <laughs> Gripes Giving is the midpoint in yeah. our two-month marathon of suck. Yeah. Yep. So we, we come together and let off some steam. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think in the, uh, in the spirit... Because you want to give the people a template. Absolutely. Right, we right. we uh, know that the, the word of Gripes Giving is getting out. Right. I believe uh, our friend and superfan Caleb, yes. who we out there on Twitter, uh, was very excited about the Bowl of Wrath and mentioned that to Jed on Twitter. Absolutely. you got to pass <laughs> the Bowl of Wrath. One of us, probably Lee, when this comes up at a the Cooliot family Thanksgiving, going to get a very strongly worded conversation with them. <laughs> Because when, when Caleb passes around the bowl of wrath, yeah, some tells me that's not going to go down smooth. <laughs> but in the spirit of the of the season, right? I think we should go around and just mm. kind of show the people how it's done, right? And Glenn, as the as the innovator and uh, founder, why don't you kick us off? Uh, what do I have to? Yeah, gripe give about? us just give us a sample gripe, if you will. Wow. So many, a lot of options. So it's many a log options. jam. Yeah, I I think well for me I think it's a, it, the the importance of uh, the what, right way to do the gripes coming is to reflect on the year. You know, sure, you just sure. Come to. And I think this year stands out for uh, uh, physical maladies. And doctoring with things and, 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 you know what I mean? Which in your case means arguing with doctors. Exactly right. I have had health, you know, whatevers. And also that's related to old. Okay. So it's sort of old, you know, it's it's decay. Is the, sure, if you sure. want to put it under one <laughs> Personal thing. entropy. Yeah. Right. It just And so what I would do is I would talk about 
how everyone is stupid. Yes. Sure. That yeah. and everyone is making me have better health, which is stupid. Sure. And that you're just trying to get home glory. I'm just are... yeah. You know, I like to keep it natural, right? And just however it goes, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, so in the everybody, you know, every time you're trying to talk to a doctor, you know what? They're always trying to tell you what to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like they they're trying know, to get in you your don't bu- know. Yeah, they're trying to get in your business. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing I would be airing that out. And talking about all the ins and outs and what have you. So well, that. I think that's a fantastic example because it does start off with a specific. You can put that down in the bowl of wrath. Right. Absolutely. Medical maladies. Yeah. But then we, we both got very narrow to, I don't like dealing with doctors, and we expanded to really what is the basis of all gripes given gripes, which is everyone's an idiot but me. That's right. That's correct. <laughs> so you can sum up every yes. gripe on some level, it would be that. Yeah, that's right. But that's I think nice. that's that's a very deliberate one. You got the you got the micro, you got the macro. Yeah. There's a lot of feeling behind as you say it's personal. Right. It's reflective. Yeah. Mm. Jed, why don't you why don't you uh, kick us off here? Well, do I recall correctly that it was this past winter that was the worst on record in the state yes. of Illinois? Yeah. It was like yeah. top top five for lowest average temperature, most <laughs> snowfall, and it was like the most snowfall ever without any blizzards. Like there's right. no yeah. single day yeah, over yeah. like it was un- just ungodly. Yeah. So my my gripe is the fact that nature itself is trying to kill us all. Sure, that's yeah. an evergreen gripe. Yeah. We we wake up in the morning, what's on tap today? Death. Right. Imminent, <laughs> imminent death. You just hate nature. The fact I hate nature, and here's why I hate nature. If I walk out my door and I'm out there for more than like an hour without right. being covered head to toe in advanced engineered materials, <laughs> I will die. Right. Yes, yes. I will. Nature is in an ongoing attempt to murder me. Screw you, nature. Screw you, yeah. nature. Right. You know what you did. That's right. You know, oh, what's that? What's that sound? That is me breaking up pieces of styrofoam. How's it taste, nature? That You've got to show nature who's boss. We're never going to get that Al Gore award for podcast. Casting now. <laughs> I hope you just happy, go outside Jared. with your can of hairspray, just blast it. <laughs> We're the first ever podcast censured by the UN for the environment. We're never getting our subsidies, that's for dang yeah. sure. Well, Lee, it's a, it's a you're newer to gripes giving, but uh, I think you've got some real strong lead ins and I, I believe in you, so why don't you give us a little something there? I'll tell you what I'm pissed off about is tell that. Me. Okay, well, no need for the potty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, 2015 is almost dead, and you still can't. There's still no uh, uh, structure in place for you to call the Chinese buffet ahead and say, "Get some no, some some new lo mein ready for me. I'm on my way down." That's a man of vision right there. Now, That's- here's what I'm saying to you. Look. I I, when I go to the Chinese buffet, I have a very, yep. I have a, I, I have it in my mind. I can see yep. where I, I can see what I want on the plate and what order and everything. Yeah. And it just never fails. You go over to the low main, you're ready to dive in. Yeah. And there's like three noodles and a raunchy piece of cabbage left over from like six hours ago. I want the, I want to have an app or something where I call ahead and I ding the 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 menu items I want. It's 2015. Let's go. Yeah. Let's yeah. get the buffet ready for me to arrive. Yeah. You know what? This is the kind of vision yeah. that we need in Washington, D.C. I'd vote younger for president. I'd do <laughs> it, it. This is... Because you could do the same thing to fix everything. Absolutely right. You know what I mean? You're saying more low main? Fresh yep. low main would fix everything? Fresh low main. Fresh low main. An app where I say... Fix it before I get there. 
You're yeah. talking about going Uber and disrupting Lomain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Disruptive Lomain is my new favorite indie band. Totally. Uh, here's what I like about those three gripes. I think we really got a vision into the griper. Right. Which is all your right. best gripes given gripes are they're from the heart. Yeah. That's right. That's and uh, right. Glenn, you got you know people trying to tell them what to do right. just because they have their medical degrees. Right. Lots of people go to college for seven you? years. <laughs> scientifically backed research. Right. So that that is a very good uh, description of Glenn. With Jed, you have, well, you actually had, let me say, with Glenn, you have, you know, man versus society. Right. Jed gave us man versus nature. Yeah. Another classic construct, which is very Jed of just sure. everything is trying to break around Jed at all times. That's kind of true. We point out, we may point out on the show before, we've had some various technical difficulties that, there's a working theory that Jed emanates a field around him <laughs> that just breaks things because right. it's everything he owns. Right. Just on the Jed's the only person I've ever heard it multiple times on fo- on the phone or whatever with the tech support guy and just got person there going, "Hey, he did what? I've ooh. never heard of that before. <laughs> yeah, did you put, did you put it in a microwave? <laughs> no, you're just using it. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And with Glenn, and with uh, Lee, we got a. Uh, Leading with the stomach. Yes. Yeah. Which is true. And then that's also, that's a pastor's answer. Yes, it is. Because you're talking to a pastor, you're talking, to specialist. You're talking about a dude who's got to go to the Chinese buffet a lot. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. That's you right. do a lot, of, a lot of talking to the children about the problems at the Chinese buffet. Uh, that's and your office right all there. All the man wants know? a little low main. Yeah. Absolutely right. To yeah. fuel the wisdom. Yeah. Just, just keep the keep the, the pot stickers hot. Keep the low main fresh. It's not this, that complex. This is all we're, this is all, this is all we're asking for. Yeah. So I'm we're, not, we're not asking to, to solve uh, the Middle East crisis or whatever. You know, no. Just, Would you low know, main be the worst start? You know, that's exactly right. We, you tell them right now, Lomain is ready. What do you say? We come all come to the table. Come to the table, everybody. Let bygones be bygones, and get Lomain. Get after Lomain, because mm-hmm. because uh, otherwise it's going to be took up. Absolutely, you know what I'm saying. So that would be a gripes giving miracle. That that's <laughs> this is what we're this is what the whole gripes giving holiday. Is all about. Yeah. This is look. It's just deep fried diplomacy. It's not. <laughs> it's it's nice. nothing new. Very nice. I mean, because the, the the idea is you have to 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 get a vision for uh, uh all that's wrong with the world. Yeah. And to vent it out. Yes. And sure. Then, and then you then you can let it go. Sleep see? like a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in many ways, I think it's a fantastic point. In many ways, Gripesgiving is the most optimistic of holidays. Because as Glenn points out, it, it is a vision of a better world. Yeah, that's right. That Take for it. example the fact that um, right now uh, up here in Chicago we don't have all the money. Right, right. We would certainly like all the money. Sure. So yeah. we've created Bridgebox as Ooh, a way yes. to get the money. Yes. Oh. Because um, here's the thing: ministry don't just run on the wisdom. No, unfortunately. You gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep the lights on and put some gas in the tank and get the people. I've tried to pay my rent in hugs, but uh, the landlord just is not at all open to that. Well, your landlord is an 80-year-old Ukrainian guy, so he really, that was, that did not go well. Even when the low main is stale, they still expect to be paid for it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a very potent metaphor for life. (laughs) That's really good. So we've got missionusa.com slash bridgebox. If you want one less thing to gripe about in your life, you get a little little bridge box in your inbox every month, and you're going to feel pretty good. Yeah. But even more important than that, you know that you're giving for a low, 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 low price of $8, uh, 
uh, supporting ministry on the jailhouse, on the streets, getting folks plugged in with churches, getting folks housing information, job information right here in the city of Chicago in the middle of a harsh, harsh winter. You feel pretty good about that. No doubt. That's right. something not to gripe about. So missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Check it out. All right. We're going to jump right to our Wait first Wait a trip. second. Yes, sir. I declare emergency off. Hello. <laughs> Am I the only one that cares about the rules here? You know. gripe. Here, this is another gripe. See, this is why we need gripe giving. Well, here, I'm a bonus gripe because I didn't do one. The one time I have a good segue, yeah, and it just flows, and there's no clunk, and I right. have to go. Well, Glenn just said something horrible. Now I got to talk about Bridgebox. So I'll just say the one time, yeah, just can't let it go. And that was an excellent segue. Thank you. If anything, Glenn's just too into order. Yeah, Glenn just loves procedure and rules. Fitzgerald's rules and ways order. to do it. <laughs> Moving on to our first question. If if we have a quorum. Yeah. <laughs> okay. First question. Comes in a non-subscription box and it says, I've got to hear the Say That crew weigh in on the whole Starbucks cup thing. Oh, Lord. Hello. It may be better suited for the emergency of the podcast because it's stupid. <laughs> but I think some people are seriously confused on what to do or say about it. Anyway, I love how you guys use humor and simple wisdom to break down the BS, and this is their parenthetical, biblically spe- biblical speciousness. Yes. Which we appreciate. Also, very glad that's spreading. Yes. So we'll do a yeah. real, real quick rundown for international listeners or people who avoid the dumber parts of the internet, which for reason we can't do. Um, so Starbucks used to have snowmen on the cups. Now there's no snowmen on the cups. And somebody on some guy who calls himself a pastor on Facebook decided that means they hate Jesus. And now we have presidential candidates calling for boycotts. Yep. Oh my because goodness. of the anti Christianness right. of now it's not that there was Jesus on the cups, now there's not. Used to be snowmen and snowflakes, and now it's just red. Yeah. Right. So that's the Starbucks thing we're talking about. And uh no, I don't we're not making fun of the question asker here because uh if you were around certain people, you'd have thought this was a big honking deal. Right. Turns out it's super not. Glenn, why don't you start us off? Well, the the, the thing about this that, that actually drives me nuts is it's people want to be legalistic. Sure. I'm not one of those people. I don't understand <laughs> the idea behind it. But some people enjoy a bit of legalism. Some people, that's their favorite thing. That's the flavor they love to savor right there is legalism. Mm, but rules. what's sad, and I mean really, really sad, is when you just don't have the proper amount of brains to hook legalism upright. (laughs) And that's what we have here. We have legalism that you did not figure out how to be legalistic about. The legalistic viewpoint is do not pretend to be Christian when you're not in order to exploit the holiday for your own financial gain. Okay. That's the legalistic viewpoint. Right. These geniuses are saying the opposite. You are supposed to put Jesus on there, I guess, in order to exploit it. Yeah. Because there is a fictional war on Christmas, and you <laughs> appear to be taking the wrong side. Okay, this just makes me sad all over, because, Absolutely. you know, it, it, if you want to be legalistic... At least take the time to get it right and get it hooked up right. Um, I really don't understand, just as a fundamental concept, uh, 
the idea of here is someone who is not Christian, and I want to force them to act more Christian. Yeah, that's a mentality. You would think that that's a mentality that comes from people who are an oppressed minority yeah. that are fighting for inclusion. Yeah, that's actually not what oppressed minorities who are fighting for inclusion are looking to. That's not their argument. This is an argument of someone who is in the majority and wants every last dude and dudette to fall in line. I'm Christian. The majority of us are Christian. We got the the numbers. That means you act Christian whether you like it or not. I don't know why that's a thing you want to do. I don't know where, where the... It's it's not uh, making them more Christian. It's not making the country more Christian. It's not getting anyone closer to Jesus. So uh, I don't think there, I, bless them, I don't know that there is a point anywhere in this. But it, it's I think it's uh, anytime you have people saying, we need to make these people who are not Christians act more Christian without right. giving them Jesus. Yeah. Exactly. We got to step off because I don't know about you guys. I, I don't act that Christian most of the time, yeah. and I've got Jesus in <laughs> yeah. my life. If you take the Jesus, the relationship I have with Jesus away, there's no way I'm going yeah. to be acting Christian. So yeah. I think that's where we need to start on it. I think that's a fantastic point. It really does speak to kind of one of the more insidious elements of this whole thing, which is um, f- faith in Jesus needs to be a l- little bit more than what you got in your Starbucks cup. Right. Because yeah. yes. um, just having the thing on your Starbucks cup, but as you say, not having the Jesus part isn't actually any closer to Christianity. So that's, right. There's a lot of underlying, obviously nobody's that wound up by a Starbucks cup, nor is anybody on the other side that wound up about, people caring about a Starbucks cup because that's just dumb. But as Glenn's pointing out, uh, from the reaction we see from people, there are actually some underlying things worth addressing there. Mm -hmm. But this person in the question asks, very importantly, I think people are a little confused on what to do. I think Glenn pointed that very quickly of don't do anything. There's nothing to be done here. But I like this, um, or what to say, Mm because we live in that's part of the internet culture, the Twitter culture, the comment section culture of they say it and I say it and it's a dialogue and it's a debate and it's a blah, 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 blah. There's actually a very specific Bible verse, and Jed, I'd like you to break it down sure. first from Second Timothy, that uh, gives us a pretty good blueprint for what to say about things like this. Absolutely. So I'm going to read you, and thank you so much for writing in this question. We're delighted to hear from Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Second Timothy. This is chapter 2, verse 23. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Let me read that again. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. So you're saying don't. I'm saying super don't. And it, it sounds like, and I was, we all want to be clear, um, it sounds like the Bible there is saying quarrels is bad. It is. It is. Like that's a negative thing? Like yes. A like, bunch of negativity and yelling. So if it's a foolish argument. Just stay out of it. Then, then not. Just walk, just walk away. Because that would uh, lead to people being uh, negative at each other and the yelling and the... Right. Casting aspersions, which quarreling. is bad. Yes. Okay. Right, okay. Well, I think it's worth looking at. I, this, I don't know that this verse ever gets talked about in church, ever, um, and certainly not anymore. And this is one of those things that it flies in the face. You know, people talk about Christianity being countercultural, true Christianity being countercultural. And this is one of those instances where it really, really is. I mean, the, the Bible's 
Um, very, very clear advice is just walk away. Don't have anything to do with it. Don't don't get involved. You don't need to have anything to say on it. You don't need to add to the discussion. And the reason for it is it's not going to go anywhere. Right. Um, this, if there was ever a foolish and stupid argument, it would be the Starbucks cup controversy. Right. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here is all this is going to do is produce a fight. All this is going to do is produce a quarrel. You know, when you've got your auntie, um, you know, with posting on Facebook about Starbucks and the war on Christmas and whatnot, She's not looking for you or anybody else to line her out on what the deal is. She's right. not looking for you or anybody else to break down the truth. She, her mind is made up, actually. That's, mm-hmm. that's why she's posting. And if you can dig it, most of what people post on social media falls under that category. This is, this is not an invitation to a dialogue. This is what I think, and now I'm inflicting that on the world. This is, this is how it is in my brain. If you fall, it's funny... Um, if you look at uh, Glenn's social media stuff or my social media stuff, any of ours, Lee's or Matt's, you may note a conspicuous lack of commenting on right. the controversy of the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's just not there. To be fair, I did do a tweet about the Starbucks cup thing. Yeah. But it was just no in all caps. Sure, sure. And that's about right. Sure. That's the correct response. (laughs) But here's the two serious points before I kick it back to Matt. The first is there's there's a phrase that older people used to use. And the phrase is, I'm not going to dignify that with a response. Mm -hmm. The idea is that if I engage in this conversation, on some level, I'm saying these people have a point. You know, if, if you come out and say, woo, 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 war on Christmas, Starbucks cups, whatnot. If I start having that conversation with you, on some level, I'm saying you have a point here. Right. I'm dignifying what you're saying by responding to it. There's no point here. And that's what Paul's pointing to with this verse. Right. He's pointing to the fact that this doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't achieve anything. It doesn't. All it does is just people uh, uh, fussing each other. That's, That's all it does. Here's the other thing is emotional energy is a limited thing. Just as you only have so much money in life, you only have so many hours in the day, you only have so much you know, strength in your muscles, you only have so much emotional energy to care about stuff. Yeah, it's dude. limited for all of us. It's, it's a limited thing. What a Christian does is they say, how should I spend my emotional energy yeah, in a way awesome. that would serve other people in Jesus' name? Yeah, yeah. Because just so you know, to, to do the kind of work that we do or to do any kind of helping work where you're finding people that are hurting and doing something to a system is emotionally exhausting. Even when it's positive, even when it's fun, it's emotionally exhausting. At, right. at the end of that, you, you need to rest. The energy that you pour into arguing about Starbucks cups is energy you are not pouring into helping people. That's right. It's a, li- it's a limited quantity. Um, you, you don't have unlimited reserves. The thing Jesus calls you to do is to use that resource wisely. Um, and this simply isn't a wise use of that resource. Amen. I think it's a fantastic point, and uh, again, that's about this particular argument that's absolutely the right tack, and there's not really another way to go on that. Now, as we talked about a little bit with Glenn, there's, does this incident, the Starbucks um, the Starbucks incident, which is a pretty good <laughs> 80s band. Yeah. You know, they did some stuff, experimental, you know, it's not well, for everybody. Well, they all dressed up in Battlestar Galactica gear. Sure. And sure. Like a whole thing. It went a little weird. Yeah. 
But the whole... I, you know what? And I could have gone Moby Dick and sure, the, the ironic sure. sea sure, shanty sure, hipster sure. thing. I could have done I that. Appreciate, sure. But you know what I appreciate about you is you're talking original Battlestar. That's right. You're not talking about the high production value thing that's recent. Exactly right. You're talking old school. I'm talking old school Battlestar Galactica with yep. the thing. And yeah. Well, I also appreciate that Glenn's a man of the people. Yes. <laughs> he could go with the Moby Dick reference. I could have. He, he could try to insinuate that he's better than us, but he that's doesn't. Right. He keeps it on our level, that's and I right. appreciate that. Call him Ishmael. Many years ago, never mind how many. It's going to be a long podcast, folks. (laughs) (laughs) A dense, symbolist podcast. (laughs) But back to the point I was making, what seems like a lifetime ago, there is actually something in the Starbucks controversy in that it does speak to some mindsets and uh, some uh, patterns that, unfortunately, people can fall into with the way Christians react to kind of the outside world. And while you definitely don't want to be online having a all caps argument about Starbucks cups, there is something worth looking at and analyzing here to look at the way Christians should deal with, and we in our own lives should deal with kind of non-Christian stuff. And can you speak to that a little bit, Lee? Absolutely. I think that most Christians, where we get confused on this is, uh, and especially uh, Christians who, uh, you know, you see only one side of the internet debate, which is people getting fired up. A lot of times Christians think that our job as Christians is to defend Jesus. Ah. That's our job, to defend Jesus from the people who hate him so much. Yeah. When mm. Jesus, if you were to ask him about it, he would say, I don't need you to defend me. I want you to love people. Yes. Period. Uh, end of story. Yes. Um, in fact, on Jesus's last night on earth, in the, uh, in the middle of the Last Supper, he made a really interesting statement, which was, he said... People are going to know if you're my disciples by the way that you love them, yeah. uh, by your love, which tells us a couple of cool things. Number one, the people who get to evaluate your like the level of your Christianity, it's not you, yep. and it's not your Christian friends. The people who Jesus has given the right to evaluate the level of your Christianity is the outsiders. He said, right. they will know that you are Christians, and the metric by which Jesus has given them permission to evaluate your Christianity is the way that you love them. Right. End That's of story. a deep point, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's not about uh, you, you, know, uh, you defending the, the faith and you defending Jesus and contending for the whatever. He doesn't want you to do that. He's big enough and strong enough to fight his own fights. What he wants you to do is love people who don't know him. And, and this whole thing comes from the perspective, exactly what Glenn was saying, that we expect non-Christians to act like believers. And we ex- expect people who don't know Jesus to care about Jesus-y things. Well, that's absolutely ridiculous. It's our job to go into the lost world and to form relationships by loving and serving people and giving them a taste for what it for what it is like to be around a person who knows God. That's how we came to know God, is we got around people who had a beautiful yeah. walk with Him, who had something we didn't, and it... And it fired us up for a different kind of life. That's how this thing is supposed to pass down. It's not supposed to pass down by... There's nobody who's ever been argued into Christianity. Nobody who's ever been bullied into accepting Jesus. He doesn't need us to defend uh, him. What he wants is he wants us to love people, and he has given them the right to measure how good we're doing on that. That's a fantastic point. That's a lot of really good stuff on that. And hopefully we gave you some ways to kind of uh, look at and think through and a lens to get through kind of when these kind of goofy controversies pop up because 
They'll keep coming. Yeah, they're going to keep happening. All right, we move on to our next question here. It came into our Tumblr box, and it's a little longer, but there's a lot of good stuff in here, and it says, it starts off with a lot of compliments, which if you'd like to get your question read on the podcast in a timely sweet, manner. Sweet compliments. Subscribing your bridge box always helps. Sucking up never hurts either. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> this person says, I want to start off by saying I'm a huge fan of the podcast. Correct. Discovered it about three years ago. Binged listened. Absolutely. And have been a faithful listener ever since. <laughs> be, be, right. be careful, though. We, yeah. We've issued warnings on this yeah. score before. You can't overdo it all at once. Your brain will explode from the wisdom. Sure, well, Safety that, gear. And yep. also, um, I've we've heard people, you know, binge listening. We've heard people, you know, going back, listening to the um, anything before about episode 50. You don't really need to. It's fine. Yeah, you're, you're not missing much. It's, and uh, I will it's say, you know, the second time through, you're going to pick up things you miss the first time through. Sure. About the fourth or fifth time, yeah. it's really all st- going to start to come together. Sure, sure. You're sure, saying yeah. the Moby Dick analogy really comes into its own exactly. again here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, I sometimes scroll through your archives, pull up relevant episodes. I vol- started volunteering in youth ministry a couple years ago and re listened to all your podcasts on youth ministry and youth work, that's great stuff. So thank you for all those nice things. Now to the question. I'm an engineer and have been with my current company for at least two and a half years since I graduated college. Over that time, the environment has progressively gotten worse and almost everyone I work with two years ago has quit. As recent changes in management, I don't see anything getting any better. I'm actively looking for a new job, but in the meantime, how do I make it day-to-day in a toxic work environment? The hours are long, and I don't really respect the people I work for, when I get home, I don't really have much energy left to do but watch TV and go to bed. I dread Mondays. Quitting right now isn't an option because I still have bills to pay, but what do I do in the meantime? And, Jed, you have some experience in the uh, technology world, so why don't you start us off here? Well, thanks for writing in, and I'm sorry for what you're going through. Um, I can relate to it. I have worked as an engineer in a number of places, and I've had some insanely crappy jobs in that situation and that's just an awful place to be, man. You know, there's there are few things worse than a crappy job that you hate being at and dreading Mondays, and, and I'm, I'm sorry for it. Uh, I want to encourage you for sure. You said that you're actively looking for a new job, and I definitely want to encourage you to uh, do that and, and to do that hard. But as we both know, um, uh, that's going to take however long it takes. And your question is wise, which is say, what do I do in the meantime? The thing, and you've probably heard of this before, but the thing that I'd encourage you to use as kind of a, uh, a structure for figuring out what to do is a thing called the serenity prayer. Here's what the serenity prayer says. It says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Let me say that one more time. The serenity prayer says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Here's how that plays out for you. In your situation, there are a lot of things that you can't change. Um, So uh, Johnson in accounting is a huge jerk and is just a bad human being, and you don't have any ability to change that. That's, That's just the way it is. And you need to ask the Lord to give you strength to be able to to deal with that. But you do have control over the ways that you deal with Johnson from accounting. You, you do have control over, uh, do you talk to him on email or do you talk to him in person or do you talk to him on the phone and is he better behaved in one of those avenues? Yeah, and if he is, point. then we're going to do that. You, you do have control over, um, you know, Supervisor Charles is always, you know, in a terrible mood on Fridays. 
So I'm going to make myself harder for him to find on Fridays. You, you do have control over that. And that's the challenge before you is figuring out what can I do to make this more livable while I'm there. The Christian answer is not just to suck it up and just say, well, it's awful, but God moves in mysterious ways. That, that's not it. That's not it. The Christian answer is the wise answer. And the wise answer is to say, what measure of control do I have? What things can I do? What practical things can I do to, um, to make the situation better for as long as I'm here? Offer one other thing. I want you to and encourage you to discipline yourself to keep in mind you are going to something better than this. You are going mm-hmm. to find a better job. You are going to get into a, a better situation. This is temporary. This is a thing that we're surviving for the time being on our way to something better. The place where we get into trouble, and actually if you can dig it, I think it may be part of what's driving the bad behavior for all your coworkers, is when we think this is it. This is just where I'm at in life. This, mm-hmm. is, this, is, this is my lot. That's a dark place, and that, that leads to a lot of kind of awful attitudes and acting out and whatnot. That's not true for you. This is a temporary thing as you're looking for something else. We're going to do what we can to make it livable, but it's temporary. Um, mm-hmm. God will see you through it. There's, there's stuff to be learned in the midst of it. There's, there's strength to be had, in, to be developed in the midst of it. The bottom line, we believe in you, and um, I'd be happy, we'd all be happy, to talk specifics on your situation and help you figure out what some of the things that you can control are and some strategies for dealing with them. But you can do it. Um, I, I'm confident if we if we start looking at what's the stuff that we can control, we can take this from something that's baked misery to something that's not super great but is survivable as we get on to that next thing. That's a fantastic so, point to start off on. Lee, I'd like you to maybe pick up and expand on a little bit of what you can do, the effect you can have, it may not be, uh, it may, it's not, may not change anything on a huge level. You're not going to save the company you got to turn around, but day to day, it it helps if you feel you have an effect on your environment and the people around you. Absolutely. Maybe let's yeah, let's abs- look at some ways to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and I'm I'm right in line with all that stuff that that the Jed said, especially um, you know when when these when guys like when brothers like this offer you you know hit me back and let's talk specifics. Uh, you know, t- take them up on that opportunity. These guys mean that. They're sincere in that. And they got um, a lot of great wisdom on this stuff. I, I want to make two quick little points. One is, as far as the things that you can affect, number one, the chances are, I'm sure there, there are people in the, the hierarchy above you in the, in the structure, and there are probably some people at your level, and there are probably some people below you on in, in the place where you work. The, the place where I would start is, Look specifically at the way that you treat the people beside you at your level and especially the people the way that you treat people below you. Um, treat the people below you with the attitude of a servant. Um, find out how you can help them, learn their names, learn their, ask them what their issues and problems are. Um, I have a very good friend who works um, in, uh, you know, uh, as an engineer at a, you know, a gigantic company and has just proven himself to be an incredible asset for that company. And one of the things that he did simply was he got to know every single person on the floor of his plant, all the, all the menial little jobs, all the, all the, the kind of guys that nobody knows their names. He, you know, said, you know, show me what it is you're doing and and tell me what the problems are and tell me what the issues are how can we streamline your process how can we help you and everybody loved him and that's a that you know and it, it was one of those things that all of a sudden he was an important figure in the
the company because he was able to speak to issues and and and, and uh, you know change the efficiency of certain things because he knew what folks be, you know below him in the in the structure were dealing with and had problems with. That's one way to start: is how can you be a servant to people alongside you and below you? And then when it comes to the people above you that you can't change, people that are being real jerks, I would make one specific suggestion: is I would look for um, books. This is going to sound weird, but it, trust me, it it will be helpful. There, there's a there's a clinical psychologist named John Gottman, guy who's an expert on marriage, but he has some great books where he talks about um, very very just really great tactics on de-escalating tension in interpersonal relationships. Now, he's specifically talking about marriage and friendships, but these are things that work in, you know, in a job type situation as well. And just um, don't want to go into, it would take a long time to kind of talk about some of his tactics on de-escalating tension, but there are things that you, there are different ways that you can specifically talk to bosses and folks folks who are over you that can de-escalate some of the jerkiness. And you actually can have more of an effect on people who are above you than than may seem obvious at first. And so I would suggest checking out John Gottman. If you want to talk, uh, you know, more specifically with me about some of that stuff, you can get a hold of me on Tumblr as well. But there are some things that you can do to kind of help that environment and and to you know to to specifically start focusing on those things instead of just feeling overwhelmed by just the soup of everything. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so. It is important to focus on the things that you can control, but maybe some things you can have an influence on. There are some things that you just kind of have to have as an internal idea, no matter what the environment is, no matter how the environment changes. And Glenn, maybe you can look, help us look at the little bit of that. Yeah, I think let's recognize part of what I think you're describing here is sort of a management by crisis kind of strategy mm-hmm. of the people above you are trying to create a sense of crisis uh, and get you in a panic to get you to a point where you're prepared to overwork and whatever. Uh, It's not unusual to see that in in certain engineering environments and so forth. Um, And uh, it's, it's a way to try and get it done. Not a good one. It's not a good one. It's not a smart one. So I think... Um, let's start with this as a principle, central to this thing. They pay you a paycheck. Here's what you owe them in return for that. You owe them giving it your best effort. You you get you give them your best focus. You give them the, the you do the best quality job that you can do. Uh, that's what you owe them. When they gave you that paycheck, that's what you're supposed to do in return. S- Excuse me. Someone's going to want to come into that situation and say, Johnson, we want you to give 110%. You say, you know, boss, if by that you mean give it my all, you got it. If you mean take 100% of potential effort and then find 10% from the last shreds of my sanity, that's not going to happen. I'm going to give you the best possible quality of... It's important to communicate to to whoever your boss is. I am right now completely prepared to give you my best. You do not need any technique to get more out of me on that. And no matter what technique you use, you won't get more out of me than (laughs) that. 
uh, I think that actually will help your boss in many ways stand down from this tactic. Uh, but it's important to recognize uh, I'm a grown man. I don't r- respond to whatever. And also, I understand the company's in crisis, but here's what you need to know. I can get me another job. Yeah. So that crisis is not really something I'm going to identify with 100% here. Uh, I'm prepared to help you with your crisis, but the more you treat me like some schmuck you want to just use as an expendable resource here, the more I'm thinking in terms of, you know, maybe this is why this company's having a problem here. So... It's important to reckon, uh, important to communicate to to the boss. Look, if you want to come, if it's your way, if it's your method to come in there and just scream at everybody and threaten everybody, okay, do what you want. But recognize I, you're not going to get more out of me as a result of that. And if you don't do that, you're not going to get less out of me as, re- as a result of that. I I believe in having integrity. I believe in in, in, in again, doing my absolute level best. When I'm here, I'm here. I am focused on the job at hand. I am, I am giving you everything I've got. I'm giving you both barrels. And again, I feel like I owe you that simply because you're giving me a paycheck. That's That has nothing to do with a crisis. It has nothing to do with external circumstances. If you're paying me a salary and this company's doing great, it wouldn't change things for me. Uh, I'm giving you what I'm giving you because that's th- that's what integrity is. Is is uh, uh, you know you, you do that. Uh, I, the idea is to try and de- develop some sort of dialogue with this with this boss or supervisor, whoever, where you're you're getting him to understand the basis is uh, the basis upon which uh, you are participating in this. Uh, but it, it, it's important for you also to recognize, and we'll say this as we're moving on. It's important to recognize God has other jobs for you. Yeah, it's not the last job that. you're ever going to have. Uh, God has other opportunities, and those things are out there. Uh, he has a path for you to walk, and if you feel like the Lord's giving you that nudge to, to tell him, back off, and, hey, guess what? It's 5 o'clock. It's time for me to go home. If you feel like the Lord's giving you that, I think you can rest assured the Lord has something else in mind for you on that. So don't be uh, uh, afraid. Uh, that uh, d- Don't feel as though you have to buy into the panic that they're yeah. trying to sell you on. Right. Yeah. I think those are all really fantastic points. There's a, there's a verse in the New Testament, one of the Pauline letters. I can't remember which one right now, but I'm sure you've heard this verse of, work at all things as if, you were, as if unto the Lord. Yeah. Right. Now, uh, Glenn makes a very good point there. Some people will try to make that uh, point as you have to work at everything in a Protestant and orderly manner until you have passed out from overwork. Right. And then you should feel ashamed that you couldn't work more. Yeah. Um, very important for us to note that uh, God doesn't actually call us to work at things that way. Yeah. You're listening to four guys who's, uh, one of the lucky kind of things about our life is um, the whole work at your job as if under the Lord thing, those lines are, um, kind of, those things mostly line up for the most part. Sure. We're doing our jobs to the Lord. And, um, we don't work 22 hours a day, seven days a week, yeah, because right. that's a terrible way to do things. That's yeah. not productive. Yes. That's not right. uh, that's not the thing God's calling you to do. As Glenn points out, what God's calling you to do, and all these guys said, is to uh, have a proper proportion in your life. And Glenn made a very good point there that you, if someone's paying you a paycheck, it is the Christian thing to do. That What that verse does mean is give it your best. Give yeah. it a good, mm-hmm. honest effort. Give it everything you have. What it doesn't 
luckily what it doesn't mean is you have to emotionally invest in everything. Mm-hmm. On our last question, Jeb was talking about emotional energy. You only have so much of it. That's very much true here. Uh, there's some more details of the question I didn't read out versus talks about, you know, people are playing the blame game and throwing each other under the bus. If in your mind, whether it's true or not, but it sounds like it's true, but if in your mind this is a sinking ship, you don't need to get too caught up in who's getting yeah. blamed for it sinking. Exactly because right. you're looking for another job, which is a very important point. Um, emotionally, that's one of the first things we would advise you to do if you hadn't mentioned your question is get on the job hunt now. It's always better to oh, yeah. connection for the last one. So you do owe them, as, as Glenn is saying, you know, hey, from 9 to 5 or whatever the hours are, I'm here. I'm dedicated. Mm-hmm. You give me the work. I'm going to do it with my ability. But um, I don't have to care about it. That's yeah. true. I don't have to uh, get wound up about it. I don't have to care what any of these people think of me. Yeah. Right. To, to the point Lee was making, I want you want to be respectful. You want to treat everyone well. You want to try to have a heart towards them. But this is uh, if this job is going away soon, I'm not going to treat it like it's not. That's right. I'm not going to, you know, try to get in there and throw Johnson under the bus because I need management to think well of me. Why don't you manage to think well of me? This company is going under. Right. And yeah. apparently because they're not great at management. So I think it's a it's a fine line to draw, but it's an important one that there is a way to give your best effort and do um, do be dedicated to your job without being emotionally dedicated to the company and the work environment. And those are the kind of things you want to try to uh, draw back from while still giving your all to the job. And Jay, do you get one more thing on this? Yeah. Matt, what you're saying, obviously what Glenn is saying is is right on. One thing that may help a little bit with the specifics of your situation here for our question writer is you said, my hours are crazy, you know, so I get home in the evenings and I'm exhausted. Um, So, the, the eight to five stuff that we're talking about is a little bit of a, of a metaphor there. Um, part of what you're doing with this, your, your, your boss is pressuring you. They're trying to get more out of you. Um, you know, whatever they're paying you is call it 50 grand a year. You know when you're giving a 50 grand a year level of effort. You, right. you, you know when you're doing that. Um, uh, the, the integrity that Glenn is describing is about saying, you guys pay me 50 grand a year. I'm giving you 50 grand a year worth of output. That's, that's right. That's, I'm not trying to cheat you. I'm not trying to cheat that's you. That's right. But the, you don't have a Christian obligation to give them 80 grand a year worth of output right. for the sake of the 50 grand. Yeah. And that's right. almost certainly what they're trying to get you to do. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're um, you know, with engineering jobs, you know, a lot of those aren't, you know, nine to five kind of things. Um, but you know, it, this is a weird thing, right? But your boss, because he's trying to get something out of you, is not going to let you know when you've hit the 50 grand a year mark. You know, right, and now right. we're into bonus territory. Right. You kind of have to decide for yourself when you've hit that mark and decide, I'm okay with that. Right. You know, I've, I've given you an appropriate, honest, fair level of work based on the compensation that right. you're giving and, me. And based on the, the initial, you, uh, you, you said work in this office environment from nine till five and here's fifty thousand dollars worth that was the initial deal that was the agreement now now you're trying to change the deal in midstream for the same money exactly right and so part of what that means is if you guys are saying that on a given night i you know you've got to have me stay till 8 p.m or whatever that's okay i'm willing to look at that but that means three hours that i'm going to be not here some other time right Uh, right, because again i'm not just giving you free time right our arrangement was eight to five for 50 grand if you haven't increased my pay then you can't just get extra work for free. That's right. That integrity thing has to flow both ways. That that has to flow in terms of you giving what you agreed to do, but not them not taking advantage of that either. Right. That's very important. That's a very important point, a very real point. We would point out that um this is one of those situations where we say on the podcast, um, we're all very particular type of person, but um don't go to your boss and say, Hey, for maybe stay late tonight and not coming into eleven tomorrow. That's 
have that attitude. Yeah. But then we pray up and we think through the way to address that mm. to a person that doesn't immediately get us fired. But right. seriously, though, write me. E- email me on this. I'd love to talk to you further. Yeah, I will, point, I will point out, uh, we, I al- we do always say that and we mean it. And uh, there are a lot of things in the podcast we have a certain amount of experience with, we dealt with, uh, without getting any specifics. Jed's dealt with this exact thing in this exact sector. So yeah. great guy to get a hold of. All right, we move on to our last question here. It comes in anonymously with our Tumblr box and it says, Hey guys, I have a question about leadership. I'm a Bible study leader with a campus ministry and I've got some concerns about it. I don't feel like the ministry is pouring into me this year, which is leaving me feeling tired and burnt out. I talked with the staff first about this, and his response was basically that if I wasn't feeling poured into, it was because I wasn't reading the Bible enough Uh and to treat reading the Bible like I would a class, which also doesn't seem exactly right. Sharp young man writing this in, that is a load of crap. I also don't feel like I have any say as a leader. I'm also not enjoying the ministry this year. The staff people are manipulative when they're trying to get people to go on trips, which is really not cool with me. They're also, it's also just not a fun thing to be a part of anymore. And more, and it gets on my nerves more than anything else. I've also come to realize that I became a leader more because I thought it was what I was supposed to do. I thought I'd be letting people down if I didn't become a leader. I've talked to some people and been told to abandon ship. Some people say to drop the leadership and try to find something that fits better. And I've been told to hold out until the end of my leadership term and then find something else. And I have friends in this ministry who are trying to tell me to hang on and try to fix the problems. What do you think and what's the best course of action here? And Lee, why don't you start us off? Well, um, thank you so much for writing us in. And we appreciate this kind of question a ton. And we have a lot of experience with this kind of stuff. And let me, um, as a way of answering your question, just to kind of get it started... Let me just go ahead and give you um, kind of uh, uh, an example of how this meeting should have gone when you went to the leadership. Uh, you expressed the things in your question, and the ministry leader should have said, oh my goodness, I am so sorry that you felt that way. Um, how, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's clear your plate real quick of some of these responsibilities, and let's figure out how we can... Uh, you know, make you feel poured into, make you feel filled up, and um, and and by the way, uh, look, I'm I'm not above it. So if you see some things you think are unhealthy in my leadership style or something like that, I'm open to hearing any of that. I'm open to having that conversation. Let's talk about what you think needs to be different from your perspective. I, I you know, I, I'm only me. So why don't you give it to me from your perspective and we'll look at some things that we can change. We'll I'll pray through that with the leaders, this kind of stuff. This this person should have made you feel heard, should have made you feel it should have made you felt encouraged, should have made you feel um like you have a voice in this whole thing and um and made made you feel like, man, my the leadership that I'm working under is humble and uh, wants to serve me and wants to help me get where I need to be. Um, you should never feel like I go to talk to somebody and I just get blown off. Yeah. Um, and especially when you're saying, you know, spiritually, I'm feeling I'm, I'm feeling empty right now. And somebody says, well, probably that's because you've been negligent on your Bible time. Um, super uncool. Um, no. And. And by the way, if you know, if somebody, if somebody in one of the ministries where I am, you know, that I'm leading, comes to me and says, "I'm feeling empty in, you know, in spiritually," 
then then I'm going to sit down and have a conversation with them about all right well what are some what what are you doing right now how can we tweak some things how can we how can we make some adjustments let's try something new let's let's uh let's look at what's going on and uh and by the way here's who I see you to be and here's some inc- super encouraging stuff or here's some maybe here's some unhealthy things that we can look at getting a hold of or changing or whatever but all of that is going to be done in an encouraging and respectful way where you feel heard and listened to I mean, the, what you're describing, I would bail out of that so fast you can't even imagine. Um, and I would be looking for a place where I felt um, heard, listened, encouraged, and not belittled, and especially not, uh, you, you should never be in a situation where somebody just makes you feel like it's your fault because you don't know how to Bible enough. Um, so I'm super sorry that that, that, that came off that way, but uh, the, the leadership that you want to be under is the leadership that makes you feel like, uh, that makes you feel valued, encouraged, and a leadership that serves you, that you know that the people who are over me, these are the most servant-hearted, the most humble folks I know. Amen. It's a really good way, that's a really good way to kick this off. There's a lot of wisdom in that. I'd like to get you to maybe look at this idea of, um, it's busted, but maybe I should just stay around and fix it. Yeah, um, they don't want you to fix it. No. They're not going to let you fix it. Uh, they like it the way it is. That's the way it is the way it is. You're not the first person to suggest uh, that these problems exist or that they need to be solved. We uh, um, uh, graciously left out the name of the ministry uh, that you wrote in about, but we are familiar with that ministry. We've dealt with them, interacted with them uh, on different things. And the truth is, um, uh, like... Uh, again, like all these other institutions, they aren't looking for people at the bottom to give them wisdom and insight on how to solve it. So, uh, and also, it's not your job to do yeah. that. Now, if they were, if they were calling you up and saying, you know, we just want to know how do we, how can we improve this experience for you, as as a person that we've, you know, got into leadership, uh, and 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 as a person on the lowest rung of that. How can we do better by you? Well, then, yeah, you you certainly you'd have a responsibility. When they don't, when you're telling them I need more and this ain't and this kind of funky and what, and they're like, you know what, screw you. Well, then, you know, uh, they're not looking for w- wisdom and insight from you. Here's another thing. I'm just going to throw this out. I am actually the kind of person that these kinds of institutions call up and say, "Can you come to a meeting and tell us what you think?" Once, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the brave ones have him back. But, um. Yeah, there's not that many brave ones. And they don't listen to me. Yeah. They really don't. Yeah. And uh, and they know what I'm going to say before I say it. That's what that's what yeah. really bothers me is, that, you, you know, I, you find yourself sitting there saying, you know what you're doing, so why, yeah. why are you making me say it kind of a thing. So um, let's throw that part right out. Uh, I agree uh, uh, with – all the stuff that Lee is saying there, if someone asks for is asking for nourishment, they should get nourishment. That's it. That's the if we don't have that going on, it's time to bail out. Regardless, uh, just before we we left to come down uh, here um, to do the podcast, I'm talking with uh, uh, our our coworker here, uh, Pete Lawson, and, and we were talking. I, I told him I want to meet with you and I want us to catch up and touch base and. Uh, whatever have you, and and uh, uh, review how things are going on because I, I think they're going really well, and I, I want to want us to go over that and make sure we're coordinated and all that other good stuff. 
And uh, Pete said, well, you know, I actually have some personal stuff I'd like to talk about, too. Can we do that during that meeting? I said, Pete, this is what you need to understand. My job is to get you up to speed in terms of being able to do quality ministry and get that going and getting it underway. But once it's underway the way it is now, I work for you. That's whatever you need it to be. That's what it's going to be. If you need more of this, you need more of that. That's my job to deal with that. Mm. So uh, that's the um, attitude that definitely should be there uh, in in Christian leadership. Uh, I can show you the Bible verse that says that's the right attitude. That's a non-negotiable. Anytime that's not there, anytime they're trying to put it back on you, you go fix you. That's someone who can't nurture you and doesn't know how that's mm-hmm. why they're yeah. saying that they if if they could they would so that, that that's yet again another reason why there's not kind of a uh you know that this isn't about should i stay should i not this these are deal breaker kind of things but final thing real quick point is that i think it's important for us to recognize again then we're not going to mention the name of the ministry but it's, it's important to recognize that these are institutions they're not people these this is not uh the kingdom it's just right. a name for a group of people doing a thing i think anytime you have institutionalized ministry that is to say ministry programs that you're doing on a nationwide basis it's sort of like a one size fits all if yeah. i tell you i got a shirt it's one size fits all yeah you know this shirt is not going to fit you yep right it's not going to be a really well fitted shirt yep. or something nope. like that so that's what you get, you know. Now, if you have something like that where you can make it individual, that would be great, but that's what you're getting resistance on. In other words, what Lee does with his kids in Tennessee is going to be a thousand times better than anything that you would make up as a cookie cutter because what Lee is doing is tailored specifically Mm. to the kids he knows so well. So it's not, and we're not putting this ministry down. It's the difference between grandma's home cooking and McDonald's. You know, they're two very different things. Two very different things. So it's about recognizing that you can, as a person involved in this ministry, you could be caught up in thinking of this entity as something I owe loyalty to, that I need to interact with. If I leave it, what are the implications of that? What does it mean? If you're prepared to, if your attitude is let me serve people and be part of the kingdom and whatever, it doesn't matter whether it's at this meeting or that meeting or another meeting. Don't get that institutional thinking to be the thing that you're trying to answer to in all of this. That's a fantastic point that it's not your responsibility to make this institution go if you don't work for it. The thing you do have a responsibility to, and that's a responsibility for God, is to make sure that you're fed. Maybe you can uh, close us out with that idea, Jed. A couple of years ago, a friend needed help moving. And I got up, and I was a few minutes late, and it's early. I figured, you know what, I'll just get breakfast. I'll just get over, and I'll just, I'll just get right to it, you know, because I just, you know, I'm already running behind. And fast forward three hours later, and that's the story of how I nearly dropped a TV onto an old man. Because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have any fuel in me. Um, right, right. You, we can't skip that step. There, there's right. something about us as human beings where, particularly people that get involved in leadership, where you think, ah, it'll be all right. I'll just, yeah. I'll just keep on. It'll be all right. I'll just keep on trucking. 
and then you're carrying a huge TV up several flights of stairs, and you realize it's not all right. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. TV is going down right now. Right. Well, what's true in the physical realm is true in the spiritual realm. If you're not getting fueled, if you're not getting built up, as to use the phrase used in your question, if you're not getting poured into, then you don't have anything to give anybody else. Right. Um, you know, a phrase that gets used in our mission field is you can't give people what you don't have. It's just it's just not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that we talk about that with our guys a lot. Of our guys are very generous people. Um, the, the folks we deal with coming out of jail, coming out of addiction, they're very, very generous people. And one of the things we talk about is part of the reason why you got to get a job is in a literal sense, you can't give people what you don't have. Right. You have a heart to help all these people. You don't have any money to help them with. Let's get a job. Then the helping can happen. Well, all that, all that's true for you. you. You have a responsibility before the Lord for the sake of your own walk to be fueled up, to be built up, to be fed, to be poured into but you can't do any of the leadership stuff without that anyway. Even if you didn't have a responsibility before the Lord for your own walk, which you do, but even if you didn't, you can't do any of that stuff if you're not being fed. So we've got to make, for the sake of your walk, for the sake of being able to do any kind of leadership, we've got to make priority number one, getting fed, getting built up, getting poured into. You want to start there. And what you may find is that wherever that's occurring may have opportunities for you to serve there, which may more, make more sense anyway. Um, Generally, and here's why I say that, um, generally people that are good at building you up and fueling you and feeding you and pouring into you, they may have a better idea of how to do this ministry stuff anyway than the group that you're currently with, and it may be a better situation all the way around. Um, Because it turns out feeding people, building people up and whatnot is kind of the foundation of ministry. So if you don't really know how to do that, you right. probably don't really know how to do the rest of it terribly well. Right, right. Um, but if you do know how to do that, you probably do have some good ideas about the rest of it. And so if you can find a place where they are feeding you and, and building you up and whatnot, they probably have some good opportunities for you as well. And it's at the very least worth looking into. So Amen. That's a fantastic point. The thing I'd, I'd close us out with on this is kind of exactly what Jed is talking about there of it is – and it goes all the way back to what uh, Lee started us off with, which is this idea of servant leadership. You hear yeah. that a lot. It's not really fleshed out sometimes when you hear it. Here's, here's the thing. If you go to someone who's in leadership by being a Christian thing and say, my, I don't feel like my walk is where it needs to be because I don't feel like I'm getting what I need to from leadership, uh, the answer needs to be, as uh, Lee pointed out, well, what can we do about that? Let's look at that. Because that's, that's a real uh, problem. And if you're running a ministry in a kind of – a godly, even just a secularly responsible way, you need your people to be up to snuff. Yeah. Unfortunately, and I don't know if it's uh, one of the reasons we didn't name the ministry here is because we don't really name names on stuff. And one of the reasons is like a lot of ministries, this one is, as Glenn pointed out, is a national, probably international thing where there's a lot of chapters. So you've heard of them. You've heard of them. But the other thing about that is, you know, the, if you're the one in, in Minnesota at this college, depending on what the staff person's like, that could be, eh. If you go to the one in, you know, go to the one in Chicago that's run by a totally different staff person, people, could be great. Yeah, so we don't, want, we don't want to bash anything in the name. Right. But the, some some of these types of big organizations from the top down, this happens at churches, this happens at campus, stuff, have some mandates of what they judge a good staff person, a good pastor, whatever to be. Yeah, yeah. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of times that does not have a lot to do with one-on-one discipleship because you can't really new uh, put that in a numerical way. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll take something we don't mind picking on, which is the megachurch model. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which says you know you got to have this many people. You got to have this many small groups. Yeah. This many people leading a small group. Well, if you say well, 
I spent this whole month just working with the small group leaders we have to make sure they got what they need and they're on fire and they're going to go. So we didn't expand any, we didn't expand this year, but I really poured into all these people. You're all kinds of fired. Yeah. Right. Like that's not, that's not a joke. If the job is to expand, if the job is to have numbers of, we have this many volunteer leaders and this many, this type of leaders. So mainly, and honestly, mainly so that's so places can fundraise off that, you know, we plugged in X number of student leaders and blah, 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 blah. Shows a bad priority. We're not judging mm-hmm. this dude because it's probably uh, the guy or gal who's in charge of this ministry. Because it may not be their fault. They may have external pressure. But what we can see is that the priorities of this place are out of whack. Mm-hmm. Priorities of a leader should be to serve the people under them. Because, you know, if Jed has a problem in his spiritual life, comes to Glenn with it, Glenn knows I, I, just as a boss, not as Jed's friend or anything, not even as a spiritual mentor to Jed, Glenn knows if I can get this dude lined out on this thing, his work's going to be a lot better. Yep, right. He's right, going right. to be a lot more effective. Absolutely. And that's in a situation, to go back to the previous question, where Jed's getting paid by yep. Glenn. If yeah. you're not getting paid, um, if you're not getting paid and you're miserable, I don't see a reason to stick around. Right. Now, I'm, keep in mind, I'm a terrible person of poor character, but mm-hmm. you know. you're not getting paid, you're not having fun, you got to go. The one thing I will close out on this um, one of the reasons that people do stick around in situations like this that aren't great is because you like the other people in the ministry. You like the people maybe you volunteer with, you like the people you're in the small, you lead the Bible study with. We want to focus on making a diplomatic exit. Yeah. So somebody mentioned hanging out to the end of the semester. If you feel like you can make it, that might be a good thing. So, you know, the Bible study doesn't have to end a month early. You can do that, mm-hmm. but that's up to you. But, you know, as much as you probably don't like the guy who told you just Bible it harder, there's no need to badmouth anybody on the way out. There's no need to, well, this is what you can tell your friend stuff, but as far as the people you're volunteering with, people smarter say, hey, uh, not working out for me. Got some, this is where schedule conflict is a yeah. very useful term. Say, doing some other stuff, but hey, love all you guys. We, I'll get your numbers and we'll, we'll grab coffee next semester and it'll be great. So you don't have to worry about losing the uh, community you might have in this because you're not an official volunteer. You can, you can put that in another way. And as these guys pointed out, you can get plugged into another ministry where you'll get that same thing. All right. So that is our final question. If you have a question for us, say that podcast, gmail.com, the bridge, Chicago.tumblr.com. If you have, if you want to sign up for bridge box, that's missionusa.com slash bridge box. We're going to take out the song this week. This week, this is from our friend, the Pool House Guru, who has yeah. taken recently. We may have played one or two of these on the show before. He's uh, we've uh, done a bunch of scripture memorization verses with the Pool House Guru, and recently he started remixing some sermons that our pastors preach here at the Bridge. And this They're is awesome. uh, the most recent one. This was by our good friend uh, Weldon Williams, and uh, he was preaching on the topic of injustice. So this is actually from November's Bridge Box. A little preview of what's in there. So we're going to take you out with that track. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. He piled upon the whale's white hump the sum of all rage and hate felt by his whole race. If his chest had been a cannon, he would have shot his heart on it. Moby Dick quote from Star Trek and a gripe. Check and mate. <laughs> I want to tell you all a secret. I'm a black man. Okay? Um, And it doesn't matter where you grow up when you're a black man. You know what I'm saying? And and what's funny, and it doesn't doesn't matter what your life experience is like if you're a black man. 
He said, I don't even need to complete that answer because all kinds of things are running in your head. I'm graduate of Duke University, very proud of that. My blue and white and all of that. I, I pride myself in being an educated black man. But while I was in seminary, I'm driving a FedEx truck. Okay? Yeah, that's how I got through some, you know, got to make that money. So I'm driving a FedEx truck. I'm driving through this neighborhood. And all of a sudden, I run up and grab a box, because that's what happens. They leave a box out there. I grab the box, fill in the form, run back, because, you know, we're on a time clock. Run back to the, to the van, log it in, pull away, and then all of a sudden, what did I see behind me? Uh-huh. And so, I was taught to be respectful to authority. So I pull over to the side, and I said, good afternoon, officer. And he said, what business did you have back at that house? And so I was like, well, I had a badge too. That's it, they had my picture on it. I said, I was picking up a package. At which time he said, are you supposed to be here? And then I scratched my head. I'm, I'm sitting there like, I got a FedEx uniform on. What does he think I did? Jump the guy who was driving the truck, take his clothes off of him, and, and, and then cut my picture out and put it on my badge. It blew my mind. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, it ain't no justice. Ain't no justice. The Bible says to submit to the governing authorities, obey the laws, and pay taxes. The reason why I pay taxes is because God raised up the government. Yes, he did. Because the Bible says promotion cometh from the Lord. He takes one down to raise another one up. In Romans 13, which, which Tasha read a little bit earlier, it says that, that authorities were established by God to govern God's people. God raised them up. And the reason why I honor them is not because of what they do, but instead it's because of what he's done. How can I rejoice when I'm being oppressed? How can I sing when things seem to be going the wrong way? How can I rise up and give thanks to God in the midst of hardships? Well, you can only do that if you stay connected with Christ. If you allow him to come in and on a continual basis minister to your innermost being. You can only stay there when you yield yourself to him and recognize that there's nothing that comes your way that doesn't first pass through the hands of God. That the only things that, that will happen to you will happen for the purpose of glorifying God in you and that he might work his way and his will in your life.